I am afraid that I have much news, and most of it is terrible. Welcome to The Mind Killer, the rationalist brain on politics. As always, I'm Wesley Menza. I'm Eniash Brodsky. And I'm David. Wait, what? <laughs> Were you going to try to say you're Eniash Brodsky? I have no fucking... You're not Brodsky. I have no fucking idea. I slept <laughs> terribly last night, and... I, yeah, I don't know what happened just now. <laughs> All right, well, listeners, there's a preview of the rest of our episode. <laughs> um, okay, so we've got some announcements. Uh, the first one is that we are uh, we have moved the uh, our publisher to Substack. Woohoo! We are joining the intellectual dark web. Yeah, because Substack is cool now. And also, you can publish podcasts for free on Substack. PSA. I thought, I thought Substack was always cool. Yeah. Um, so we are encouraging uh, our patrons to uh, uh, switch over from Patreon to Substack. But you don't have to. We'll leave the Patreon up as long as anyone is uh, supporting us there. Um, but um, we're it's easier on us if you uh, subscribe on Substack. Um, in the addresses in the show notes, it's mindkiller.substack.com. Um, so follow everything there. Uh, I was publishing, I posted like a couple of blog posts on there a while ago. We may do that from time to time, but it'll mostly just be the podcast feed. Ooh. Did you um, say good stuff about us in the blog post? I wasn't talking about us in the blog post. Well, you should was, always talk about like, me and say how great I am. It was politics stuff. Are you a politician? I could be. Well, if you are, then I'll write stuff about you. Go run okay. for something. Mm, I'd never get elected. <laughs> yeah, but you might get nice editorials written about you. <laughs> okay. But mostly they'll probably be terrible things said about you because that's how politics works. That's the most important thing about politics. That's why we're here. All right. And the second thing before we get into the news is, if you'll remember last episode, I asked everyone for feedback and we got some. Huzzah. Um, which, again, it was probably not more than we got in the past. But we were paying attention this time. So I wrote it down. Um, the first piece of feedback we got was from Ferb, who says, oh, it was from the Discord, who says, uh, the Blue Origin moon thing is basically SpaceX and Blue Origin were competing for a NASA contract to make a moon lander. Blue Origin lost. So Bezos, to try and get NASA to change its mind, offered $2 billion of their own funding for it, uh, which is basically what we thought, right? It was uh, Bezos undercutting the competition, as he does. Is it Bezos or Bezos? It's oh, I don't know. I only ever see it written. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Beelzebos. Okay. Um, is, uh, yeah, so he's uh, just undercutting the competition, which I still think is great. It is how capitalism is supposed to work. Indeed. Get that space money. But yeah. don't get it, apparently. Well, maybe. Maybe All that'll right. change. Um, the second piece of feedback is from a Facebook friend of mine, Anthony Mills, who says... That who had a comment about our um, the law about farmers reusing GMO seeds, and he says basically that farmers don't really want to reuse their seeds, and yeah. he says the the GMO seeds you get from places like Monsanto are basically special hybrid seeds that work really well for this generation. But if you save the seeds that this generation produces and plant those, there's a bunch of stuff that's randomized, so second generation seeds are not as good due to how hybrid plants work. So while buying seeds from seed companies often comes with an agreement not to gather second generation seeds, industrial scale farmers generally wouldn't want to do this anyway, because the reason they buy the seeds in the first place is to benefit from the special traits. Huh. 
that's that is bizarre. I would have thought that all the subsequent seeds would have the same stuff. Well, um, it's a lot of the good traits of the seeds because I looked into this a little bit. Um, they're recessive traits. Hmm. Oh. So if you get second generation seeds, a lot of the good stuff is bred out of it. Hmm. What if they um, uh, so, only cross pollinated with other things, other GMO seeds? Um, I I guess it wouldn't work because they would have tried it. Yeah, actually, I'm not sure that they're recessive traits. Um, they may be. What's the word for something that a bunch of genes influence? Um, poly. Yeah, it's like polygenic yeah. or something. Yeah, it might be that. But there was a. I found from from multiple different sources that said, yeah, second generation hybrids uh, seeds are generally are not as good. Um, they don't they don't have a lot of the stuff that the hybrids were bred for. Well, I'll be darned. Um, now, not not all GMOs are hybrids, so there are some GMOs you can do this with, but a lot of them um, also do um, hybrid uh, breeding. Okay. Um, so most of them, um, the farmers don't don't really don't really want to reuse. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Uh, and Hobo Demon wants us to talk about Packer versus the United States. This is not related to anything we said. We just talk about law, uh, law stuff a lot. Um, so very briefly, Packer versus the United States was about Alfred Packer, notorious cannibal, and the man who Cannibal the Musical is based on. Oh, we did talk about cannibals, though, last time. Did we? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. We're talking about eating people. Yeah. Right, so it's eating people and law stuff, so related to two of our interests. <laughs> uh, Alfred Packer was stranded in the woods of the Colorado Territory. Um, notice I did not call that Colorado. It's important later. Um, and uh, he ate his uh, party that he was with. Um, and I encourage everyone to go watch Cannibal the Musical, because it's a great uh, a dramatization of this, which involves music, and it's by the guys who made South Park. Oh, so the the case is that he was then tried in the newly formed state of Colorado for murder, and the United States Supreme Court held that he could not be prosecuted because at the time he ate everyone, Colorado was not a state. It was a territory, and thus he could not be prosecuted under the laws of the state of Colorado or the, the federal government, because at that time, those laws were not, uh, they didn't have jurisdiction over the territory. Did the territory of Colorado not have laws against murder? Um, it may have, but then, then there's no territory of Colorado anymore. Fucking technicalities. Right? Um, it's possible that he could have been punished by some territorial authority that was still around, but um, and he couldn't be punished by the state. Okay. Because the state did not have jurisdiction. Uh, now, given that this is Packer versus the United States, I'm guessing that the federal government was trying to uh, prosecute him, um, but they didn't have jurisdiction either. Well, maybe at some point he was punished by the friends and family of the people he ate. Maybe. Um, but the uh, the ending of Cannibal the Musical is pretty happy for him. Oh, man. They just let him go. Did and he actually murder the people before he ate him? They didn't die of natural causes? Um, He says that he didn't. Oh, well. But maybe he was they presented a lot of evidence that, that he did and he was convicted. Oh, well, okay. Um, and, uh, there's only one word for that and it's Sprudoinkle. That's no, what? No, that's not the word at all. <laughs> yes, it is. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm not the lawyer here. I don't know what I'm trying to do. Say things. The legal lawyer. Term. Yeah. Uh, all right. And then David has a follow-up to our story about the audacity privacy policy. 
Yeah, so um, Audacity has updated its privacy policy in response to the outcry. Um, I have not read the new one or like done a deep dive on it. Um, but the people who I originally saw grousing about the old policy were cheering this new one. So I assume it's an improvement. All right. So, uh, don't fear using audacity any more than you fear using anything else. Okay. On to the news. And our top story this week is Andrew Cuomo. He has resigned. Yes, and uh, not for the right reason. And yeah. for the benefits of our readers, we are our listeners. We are recording this um, one, two, three, four days, um, or I guess five days earlier than we normally record. So if like there's another nine eleven or whatever on the fifteenth, uh, get all the way off our asses. Yeah, yeah. and I, mean, um, I think we we'll probably. I think we'll probably release the episode early, so we're not oh, too far. Okay. Oh, interesting. Yeah, anything that happened over the weekend happened in the yeah. future for but us. Yes, we are recording this on August 12th, so anything that happened after today, we don't know about. Cool. Maybe that was going to be the... before today we don't know about. No, no, we know everything that happened before today. Wow. We have the internet. Oh, yeah, fair. <laughs> if it's not on the internet, did it really She's happen? got you there. <laughs> Damn it. I mean, if it's, if it's not trending on Twitter... Ooh, if it's not trending on Twitter, it is fake uh, news. <laughs> yeah, that's how that works. Yeah, so anyway, Cuomo, if you haven't heard, um, the New York Attorney General put out a report that said Cuomo sexually harassed many people. Wow, uh, This was after he had gotten accusations. Yeah, uh, he had gotten accusations months ago. They said, okay, we'll look into it. Um, the Attorney General's office released this report says Cuomo is a big sexual harasser. Um, and at first he was like, no, I'm never resigning. I'm the King of New York. Uh, but it looked like the votes were there to put him through impeachment. And interestingly with an impeachment in New York state, the person being impeached is, uh, basically suspended while the impeachment is taking place. So there's none of this bullshit where you get impeached, but you keep doing the job until, you know, the trial's over. Once you're impeached, you're you're suspended, um, and then you're not allowed to exercise any of the authority of the job while the trial's happening. Um, so Cuomo looked like he wasn't going to make it uh, and, you know, saw the writing on the wall and, and uh, stepped down, uh, which is great because Cuomo was a piece of shit. If uh, you've been listening to our podcast, you know that what he really should have resigned for was killing everyone's grandma. And grandpa. He's an equal opportunity murderer. And grandpa. That's true. I still yeah. find this somewhat distressing in that the only way we can get rid of bad politicians is if they sexually harass someone. Because, like, how are we going to get rid of bad female politicians? And is this perverse incentives for us as voters to only vote for people who have sexually harassed people so we can get rid of them if we need to? Uh, we can't and yes, respectively. <laughs> <laughs> uh, David, why are you against girl bosses? Um, what a sexist. Uh, no, it's only our misogynist society that thinks that women are too small and weak to uh, um, sexually harass or assault anyone that leads me to think that women should be excluded for public office from the for the general good 
my ideal world would be one okay. where we fully recognize women as agentic people who are capable of doing bad things, and therefore we could get rid of them as well. David's position is, if you're, you know, strong enough to be part of the government, you're already doing bad yes. things. So This but unironic. So if I ran for his office, I would lose David as a friend. I mean, was that not obvious? I, I never thought about <laughs> it in so many words. No, I I would um so I would definitely think less of you, especially if you won, but I would give you the benefit of the doubt at least. I mean, yeah. all that power, David's friendship, I think it's worth a trade. I mean, what if he cut taxes? Um, I have already established my priorities with you guys vis-a-vis taxes versus spending versus regulation. So well, that would be right, what fair if enough. I cut taxes specifically on economists. Um, <laughs> again, I would prefer you cut regulation on flying cars, but sure, whatever. And it'd be better than generally cutting be, taxes yeah. for me. All right. Well, we've taken this way too yep. far. Yes. Back to we have a lot of news to cover. Yeah, we do. So, uh, all right. So the the thing about so the thing about Cuomo is like the he he didn't have a trial. The uh, the AG report is evidence that he's, you know, a shitty dude who sexual harasses, sexually harasses women. Um, a lot of the accusations are, you know, kind of flimsy. But when you add them all up, it seems like he's probably, uh, you know, th- there's probably something there. Uh, but again, it seems like he really should have been in trouble for his policy about nursing homes and COVID that got so many people killed. Um, And this seems like way less bad than that. So I wish we had our priorities in order, but he's gone. That's good. Um, He's not, he didn't get impeached. So he is eligible to run again in the future, uh, which people are speculating that he's going to do, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, all right. Cuomo for Prentice in 2024. And we have a uh, we have a related story from Eniash. Oh, okay. Yes, uh, this got moved up. Uh, Aubrey de Grey, who some people may know as the lead spokesperson and possibly lead researcher for uh, SENS, although uh, some people in the know say he's really more of a public face uh, donor, money get uh you know, awareness raiser than straight research nowadays. But anyways, uh, Aubrey de Grey, head up sends. Um, we know him and love him because he wants to stop people from dying. The exact opposite of Andrew Cuomo. And uh, <laughs> and we all would like to not die. Uh, anyways, he was recently got two allegations of sexual harassment and has resigned. Um, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know much about these allegations or the people behind them. As far as I can tell, the allegations are that he wrote a flirty email and that he made a bad joke that was very obviously a joke. But um, I don't know. I I personally don't don't think that's a big deal. Uh, I understand the impulse to get the old generation out of there so the new generation can take their, his place. I just don't think it's a great impulse. But well, especially uh, not for anti-aging people. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> but since this, he is of particular interest to me and um, the, you know, people transhumanist agenda. I thought it would be uh, good to mention it on our podcast. 
Yeah, I don't. I've never. I never heard of Aubrey de Grey before, but I don't. I don't know anything about anti-aging research. Um, but I did read these accusations, uh, and the worst. The worst allegation is sort of buried in there. It's secondhand, um, and they just say like, "Well, other people have accused him of um, physical uh, assault." Yes, like but physical that allegation sexual is assault. also like completely anonymous with no details. Yeah. Which- I mean, come on. Yeah. And also, like, DeGray has come out and been like, has addressed these two and been like, but there there aren't any other accusations that I know about. And he um, specifically, his, his response was really weird, I thought. He specifically said, yeah. um, I completely deny that this happened. But also, um, I think that these two women are being used by someone. And, like, I have my suspicions who they are. And I feel really bad for them that they're being manipulated in this way. And I'm like, I'm not, I mean... I'm not sure this is the right way to handle this sort of um, assassination attempt. Like so far, the only thing that seems to work is Donald Trump's is, yeah, uh, I did it all and I don't care because I'm so fucking hot. You know, of course the woman want me. And I, yeah. <laughs> like, I just, it's, it's bizarre that that is the only defense against these sorts of things, but there it is. And I don't yeah. think Aubrey de Grey's tactic is going to work here. No. Yeah, it was really weird that he's like, there's some sinister actor behind the scenes here. Yeah, that these poor women are being used. Um, there were, and there were a couple of things that actually both of them said that I thought that set off red flags for me. So, like, one of his accusers was like, oh, he kept funneling alcohol to me, right. which I'm like, okay, so you were drinking? Because you chose to drink and you're blaming that on him. And that just like that sets off my my bullshit detector because I'm like, this is okay. This is a person who's trying to technically tell the truth, but um, but phrase it in the worst possible way. Yeah. Um, so I didn't like that. But then Aubrey de Grey in his response was like, anyone who knows her knows she would never lose control of her drinking. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Anyone can lose control of their drinking. That's that's I, not like a personality trait. I think that um, Amaryllis would never lose control of her drinking, although she is a fictional character, so maybe that doesn't apply. Yeah, that's not that's not generalized from fictional evidence. But I can any, imagine any real person people like that. I mean, you can, but that's that's just such a weird thing to say. It is kind of someone's weird. like, I drank too much to be like, no, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't. I know you. I know well, her. She, She'd never drink too much. Like. Anyone, like anyone, can make that kind of mistake. Didn't she? Didn't even say that she drank too much, though. Just that alcohol yeah. was available, and he was happy to pay for it. Yeah, or like he was pouring a drink to something. She didn't actually say what happened. Just that he was funneling alcohol to her. Generally, generally funneling alcohol means that they were willing to buy you drinks, unless he actually had a funnel. <laughs> but true. I somehow doubt this was happening. Yeah, and, uh, you know, if they were funneling beers, um, that that that's uh, some context uh i'm not hearing david at all david can you hear us now i can hear you now david can hear hear us yes did you have like a five second lag in response for some reason david you need to get a better internet connection (laughs) yeah yeah i'm pretty sure i'm having some like severe connectivity issues um so sorry listeners this might be a david light episode but given how little sleep i'm running on that might be a good thing Whoa, worst episode ever. The people demand more, David. Yeah, they really do. And I love to give the people what they want. But, you know, I I literally can't. Unless it's regulation. (laughs) All right. Well, anyway, 
Uh, Eniash, I was asking you if Aubrey de Grey had actually stepped down. Uh, last I heard, yes. Okay. All I saw was that there were accusations and that he'd put out this weird uh, defense of them. All right. Well, I don't know. Why, I, I don't really know how I feel about that. Maybe maybe it's, he sucks. Maybe he doesn't. Yeah. Only time will tell. Yeah. Um, all right. Next story. A bipartisan infrastructure bill passed the Senate, which this I honestly fine. cannot believe. Yeah. Like, I so by, this is actually like, I'm actually very impressed with Biden here because he came in saying like he was going to work with Republicans to get stuff done. And everyone, me included, was like, no, you're not. The Republicans, they've already learned to just say no to everything. Um, there's no possible way to work with them. And then he just, he fucking did it. He's got this thing passed and it's, you know, it's a bullshit pill. Um, it's apparently, uh, $1 trillion in spending of which half, about half was already planned for. Um, so it's like half a trillion dollars of infrastructure spending, which whatever, I have very little opinion about that infrastructure is good i guess and this is real infrastructure this isn't like the other bullshit infrastructure bill it's everything and they're just calling it infrastructure um but they're already debating a larger bill that they're going to pass with just the democrats um and i know we talked about this before that they're just going to do their own bill uh and but they're also going to do this one and uh the funniest part of this is the house democrats are they're like, well, I don't know if we're going to pass this because, you know, it doesn't have everything we want. And it's like, Jesus Christ, man, you, is it a good bill or not? If it's bad, vote against it. If it's good, vote for it. Don't don't be like, well, it's good, but it could be better. I I don't know. I think they they are worried they're not going to retain the majority in the next uh, midterm elections and really want to pass through everything that they want right now. Yeah, but like pass that stuff then. But like pass this one first. What's, Maybe you can't. I, yeah, I don't understand the strategy there. If you have the votes for a larger bill, then pass the larger bill. If you don't, then don't. But like, you have yeah, the votes for this bill now, and unless there's something like it, they're not, they didn't trade anything away in here. Like, yeah, but when no, you have the larger bill, you can hold all that other spending hostage to get your thing. And yeah. once all that other spending passes anyway, there's no reason for people to be like, yeah, okay, we'll give you more money too because they already got the important stuff funded. I guess, but then, like, that means that you didn't have the votes for all that stuff, so don't pass it. Well, yeah, that, ideally. <laughs> yeah, like, God, this is, I just, I hate our system so much. Mm -hmm. I just want people, I mean, I just want a completely different system. But working in this system, I just want our representatives to vote for bills that they think are good and against bills that they think are bad. And not be like, no, we have to tie everything together in one bill. So we can get the bad stuff in there, too. Then how would you ever get your bad stuff passed? Well, you just have to elect bad people, which is what we do. Oh, wow. Well. Yeah. That's, that's why theory, we got what we have now. I think the theory is that you need to have a bill that's too big for anyone to conceivably read. So no one knows about all the horrible stuff that's in there. Oh, yeah. But I mean, this bill is that. Don't worry. No one's reading this. Um, for but my takeaway from this is... Yeah, I mean, it's, it's every law. Every law is too yeah. long for people to read. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my, my takeaway from this is I, I'm like I said, I'm impressed with Biden. I really didn't think he'd be able to negotiate with the Republicans. I, I thought they would just dig their heels in and spite him forever. Um, 
it seems like an okay bill. It's a lot of spending, but it's also mostly paid for. In theory. Um, in their theory. Idea, it's always in their, theory. Their yeah. idea of paying for it is including provisions like getting several hundred million dollars from quote unquote closing loopholes around cryptocurrency, which aren't going to work. And oh, yeah. even insofar as they do work, aren't going to raise fraction of the revenue that they think they will so no no everyone's gonna start paying taxes on their crypto i'm sure (laughs) yeah well at least they tried paying for it as opposed to the last few bills where they were just like nah don't bother we can just print up the money yeah but uh all in all uh, things when when it comes to things that the government does i think this bill is not is is one of the better things it's a lot of um you know, electric grid, railroads, broadband investments, water infrastructure, public transit, electric vehicles, that sort of thing. All like kind of boring each appease kind of stuff. Didn't David have like a whole list of non um, infrastructure stuff that it did as well? No, that's in the big Democrat only bill. Ah, OK. Yeah. So I was saying this is an actual infrastructure bill. Weird. Yeah. Don't worry, the, the Democrats are probably going to pass all that other stuff, but then the Republicans won't help them. Okay. Um, so I guess they think this is good politics. I don't know. It's, uh, you know, it's good for spite reasons because Trump was really trying to get everyone to vote against it. That is a very and, good you know, reason to like this bill. Yeah, politics runs on spite. So a lot I'm sorry. Of things in the world run on spite. I'm sorry, negative partisanship. Um, but yeah, that happened. So uh, we'll see what happens in the House, but it'll probably get passed. No, if it wasn't for spite, I probably would have never started writing. Well, there you go. <laughs> spite bringing great things to the world. Indeed. All right. Uh, next story, COVID. Um, our case numbers are still going up thanks to the Delta variant, but the creative increase is slowing. Um, and V, as everyone who listens knows, is the one of the only people saying smart things about COVID. Um, He's estimating about two to three weeks until we see a peak, you know, barring no new variant. Um, So that's kind of good news. Uh, Very good news. Yeah. Um, Some other, some other COVID stuff. Um, (laughs) This is hilarious. So remember last episode, we were talking about how the FDA should probably just approve the vaccines already instead of this emergency use approval. Uh, the American Academy of Pediatrics is now telling the FDA to hurry the fuck up uh, and approve the vaccine for kids. Nice. Um, and so what what uh, what happened is that I think it was uh, Pfizer and Moderna um, or maybe it was just Pfizer. They doubled the amount of people in the study they're doing. So they're kind of going back and and and. Um, redoing a lot of the stuff in the study of kids and so that's gonna take even longer for fda approval through the normal process and the american academy of pediatrics is now coming out and being like uh fda do not wait for this new information you have all the information you need just to prove it now which is unprecedented awesome um doctors you know especially these like uh societies of doctors are some of the most um, small C conservative organizations around. They're always the ones saying like, slow down, don't rush anything. Let's make sure everything is perfectly safe before we take one single step. And even they are telling the FDA 
that they're going too slow. So hopefully they listen, but they yeah. probably won't. Yeah. Uh, but um, whatever. Uh, I'll as as I'll be covering in my uh, troop deployment later. Kids don't even really need the vaccine. They're mostly safe from this. Dude, the amount of parents I know who are freaking the fuck out are it just. I wanted to prove just so that they can finally, you know, get their kids the vaccine and shut up. Right. Or I wanted to prove just so these assholes stop trying to make children wear masks in school. That too. Like, God, give the kids a break already. Um, so meanwhile, <laughs> the World Health Organization is still out there telling people that COVID is spread primarily by droplets and contact. Uh, when we've known for a year and a half now that it's spread uh, by aerosols. So that's fun. Way to go with that, uh, so World Health Organization. Question. So question. Um, what's the uh, CCP's angle on this? Because so far, every <laughs> stupid fucking yeah, thing right? who has done has clearly been trying to cover China's ass for it. But I can't figure out this. I don't know. It's probably there somewhere. Um, now, David has a story about uh, New York vaccine passports for us. Uh, not just New York vaccine passports. Um, yeah, so New York has implemented a vaccine passport system. And when last we discussed this, I said something along the lines of it wouldn't work and it would be a catastrophe for privacy and other civil rights. And uh, third worst person, I guess now second worst person, um, congratulations on the promotion. Um, fuck, what's his name? The New York City Mayor. De Blasio. De Blasio, yes, thank you. Uh, Bill de Blasio very obligingly uh, set out proving me right about everything. Um, so their uh, vaccine passport system is infamously uh, already quite difficult to get signed up for. Uh, it requires... Basically everything that you would need to steal someone's identity. And there haven't been any big hacks or leaks yet, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's just a matter of time because honestly, that's just the smart money bet at this point. All right. And they're also doing this in France. Yes. Is that right? So France had... Um, I don't know what the latest news is, uh, but it was a bit of a breaking story when I added it to the passport. So there's probably been some movement since then. But um, last I saw, uh, Macaroon, the uh, prime minister of France, uh, basically just said, hey, we're going <laughs> to do a vaccine passport. Uh, get ready for that to start in like three days. And there were massive protests all over France. All right, but to be fair, France is in a perpetual state of protesting. I mean, they may have just been protesting that they didn't have anything else to protest about. I think their unemployment rate for um, young adults is like 15 or 20 percent or something. So they're just always out on the street there. I thought it was more than a quarter. Oh, maybe. I was I was giving a conservative guess, but it's, it's a lot. It, yeah, it's insanely high. Yeah. So what do they get? They, they got nothing to do all day. They're always out protesting. What is I mean... What what are they specifically protesting that they have to show up that that they got vaccinated if they're in yes. public? It seems like a very dumb thing to protest. It does, doesn't it? Um, you know my uh, my prediction for this New York thing is it'll probably be fine. I think it'll probably be like super glitchy. 
like all government programs are. Um, so it'll be shitty for the first month or two and then it'll work it out. Um, but I do think it will. Well, I don't know if it'll actually uh, inspire people to get vaccinated because most people in New York City already are. Um, it's one of the most vaccinated places in the country. Yeah, it's upstate, the rural New York where there's issues. And I don't think they're going to be really um, enforcing that vaccine passport in those areas anyway. Well, it's not the, it's not a statewide. It's just New York City. Ah. Uh, so, wow. yeah, it's where everyone's already vaccinated. So I feel like the holdouts there are the people that really like are really being stubborn about it. I don't know if this will change their minds. I really hope they just hurry up and get COVID already. I mean, they probably already did. Yeah, and honestly, well, case, it looks like at this too. point, yeah, uh, and at this point, it looks like Delta is not really gonna go away until uh, everyone is immune, whether it be through vaccination or recovery. And so, I say, like, as long as there's not a risk of uh, of um, what you call it, um, hospital systems getting overwhelmed. Honestly, I kind of just want to let it rip and people who have been dumb enough to not get vaccinated can deal with their own shit. Yeah. Whereby shit. I agree. I'll cover later. I have heard that some hospitals in some places are getting right to the edge of capacity. Uh, I've heard that, but then I've also heard that that's like not actually true. So I don't know. Um... Oh, God. Eniash, you have a story for us out of Germany. Yes. uh, Around 8,600 people in Germany who thought they got the vaccine could have gotten a saline solution instead uh, because there's a crazy anti-vax nurse up in Germany who was giving people saline solution instead of the vaccination because, I don't know, she was trying to save them from being microchipped or something. Who knows? Uh We are against that. We are very much against that because who knows how many people may have died now because of what? her. Oh my! The yeah. Oh my god! That I, is the worst thing I've ever heard. That is I mean, awful. That seems like a... It is awful. I mean, we're talking about Germany here. I'm sure that's not the worst thing you've ever heard. <laughs> Probably not even the worst thing you've ever heard about Germany. I would hope not. <laughs> but... Um, but okay. it's pretty might, bad. That might cause me to lose faith in America's public schools. <laughs> <laughs> okay, oof, but also um. fair, and also I was not public schooled. <laughs> you can tell because I'm oh, basically oh, a yeah, seriously. No, lucky you. All right, well um, you heard it here, America. Don't send your kids to public schools, then grow up to be like David or to German <laughs> nurses. <laughs> God, yeah. This is, this seems like it should be difficult to do, right? Like, is no one watching? I very I much mean, doubt No, it. when I got vaccinated, no, I, when I, I got vaccinated, there was not. just the one person in the, yeah. in the pharmacy. I mean, it's not that hard to vaccinate yeah. someone. You fill up a syringe, then you yeah. jab it in someone. Like, why would you need multiple people watching? I guess. I just, yeah. No, you're right. There's probably plenty of uh, opportunities to swap it out. Well, that sucks. But yeah. glad they caught it, I guess. And yeah. eight thousand, eight thousand is a lot. And I mean, that's like that an estimate because that's like number. how many people she probably vaccinated, and then like assuming yeah. that she swapped out saline for all of them. But who knows? God, I hope they can get in touch with those people. Yeah, and like get them a new vaccine. Uh, all right. And uh, also, David has something for us about Australia's FDA. 
Yeah, so the uh, TGA, the uh, Therapeutic Goods Administration, which is the Australian equivalent of the FDA, is fucking terrible. Uh, apparently they didn't uh, approve AstraZeneca until almost seven weeks after the UK, um, and they have flatly well, refused... hasn't approved it at all, so... And they flatly refused to uh, issue emergency authorizations uh, for uh, um, the vaccines. Uh, they were, uh, looks like a month and a half, or six, yep, six weeks... Uh, behind the U.S. FDA on Pfizer. Uh, and remember, this is them, beh- how far they are behind the FDA, which is already slow as shit. Um, uh, yeah, so um, on Marginal Revolution, Alex Tabarrok uh, quotes two other guys who speculate that the Sydney outbreak probably just would not have happened. Uh, um, if they had approved the vaccines on the same timetable as their counterparts in other countries. And to make matters worse, um, oh, oh, right. That's why they're talking about this now. The TGA approved Moderna earlier this week, guys. Oh, damn. Uh, yeah, I think Australia got like really up their own assholes. Yeah. Because they didn't have a lot of outbreaks and they're like, well, we, you know, closed our borders and that's how we stopped COVID. Bah, bah, bah. We don't need these vaccines. And of course, now yeah. they do. And uh, to make matters worse, their lockdown has been downright totalitarian. Um, the uh, uh, Marginal Revolution post um, does not go into detail, um, and I don't have another reliable source, but according to something I remember reading at some point, so take this with a grain of salt, they seem to be uh, taking a note out of the books of their neighbors to the north, uh, by which I mean China, um, with, like, police... That's never a good thing yeah, to say. Yeah, with, like, police actively patrolling uh, neighborhoods, telling people to get back in their homes and that sort of thing. It sounds pretty not great. Ooh, not just police, but soldiers. Oh, shit. Yeah. So like an actual lockdown lockdown, not just the yeah. metaphorical lockdown. Well, I mean, if you're going to do a full lockdown, at least they're not you know pussyfooting about. People are barred from leaving their homes except for essential exercise, shopping, caregiving, and other reasons, it says. I don't know what those other reasons are. Uh, but yeah, sounds uh, pretty authoritarian, especially given that it's the military doing it. Yeah, it's always uh, not so, good uh, when the military does things. Yeah. Uh, so sorry about that, Australia. Uh, sucks to be you right now. But uh, hopefully this is, you know, will be temporary. Um, next story is COVID-related. Uh, but President Biden has extended the eviction moratorium by 60 days uh, mm. until the end of September, um, which is pretty fucked up because the Supreme Court told him he couldn't do that. Uh, th- it was just like last month, I think, there was a case challenging the eviction moratorium and four of the justices, four of the justices said it was unconstitutional. 
Um, and Brett Kavanaugh sided with the other ones, but just said, uh, look, I'm not going to say this has to be overturned right now because it's set to expire on July 31st anyway. Um, but any further extensions would not be would not be legal and we'd have to overturn them, which is a weird, a weird thing for a Supreme Court justice to say. Wait, Wes, I feel like Kavanaugh is just like that a Supreme Court justice might shirk their responsibility to make law because they have a good excuse to not make a decision. Because I seem to remember you doing this bit. (laughs) Well, it's just weird. It's super weird for him to say, like, yeah, this is probably unconstitutional, but um, we're going to we're going to let you do it anyway but not, not for too much longer. So just like stop violating the constitution in a few weeks and that'll be okay. I can understand a uh, emergency powers kind of argument. Well, look, I could understand him saying like, this is unconstitutional, but the remedy then is that you have, you know, 30 days to, to put an end to it. Right. Yeah. But not like, I'm not going to say it's unconstitutional, but like it, it is though <laughs> it's, it's just a weird opinion and it's like it, it, nobody else signed on to it it was a like a concurring opinion that he wrote by himself um but anyway the supreme court was very clear that any further extensions of the uh, eviction moratorium would not be consistent with the constitution um and biden got all his legal scholars to look at it and they all came back and said no this isn't legal and <laughs> He's, he came out and said that. He was like, yeah, all my, all my legal advice was like, you can't do this, but you know what? I'm doing it. Um, so that's kind of fucked up. Um, and uh, Eniash, why don't you give us your take on this as our resident landlord? Uh, well, you don't ever really want to evict anyone because it's expensive and time consuming and you've lost out on a lot of rent. But, you know. You Notice he didn't say because you care about people, because he doesn't, because he's a soulless landlord. That That is the most important thing about landlords. We we have to turn in our souls when we first buy property, because if you have a soul, it just gets in the way. And then if you die, the house becomes haunted and no one wants that. And then you can't use bone magic. Exactly. <laughs> nice. I like the deep cut. Uh, listen to not everything is a clue, everyone. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't particularly like it because i'm fortunate that like i all my renters are great people and i like them a lot and i'm happy to have them and they're paying their rent but you know if someone had decided in may of last year that they just wanted to keep not pay their rent anymore i would still be paying for them to live there because i still got a mortgage i still got to pay the taxes and the insurance on the place and i'm honestly the mortgage is the really big part it's um it's not cheap yeah like you are still paying for it yeah Someone's um, still paying for it. It's just not the people that are living in it. Right. Um, and supposedly there's some government money coming to like help people that, that don't be, have, you know, an actual can't pay solution. their rent. Yeah. But I don't, I keep, I keep hearing that this is going to happen, but it hasn't happened yet. So they're like, time's running out government. Yeah. But uh, is it actually running out? We'll see. Um, David, I'm sure you have thoughts about this. Yeah. The most annoying part, about this i mean there is the whole like violation of the fundamental right to property which is enshrined in the declaration of independence uh wait or yeah the declaration of independence which i 
oh wait no property's the one that they threw out of the thing that Locke originally wrote because slaves yeah, uh, yeah. for those who it's pursuit of yeah, happiness for those now. who don't know um when John Locke was originally writing the uh, three inalienable rights, which people are endowed by their creator with, uh, it was life, liberty, and property. But they decided that there wasn't an inalienable right to property because some people were the property. And so they changed it to life, liberty, and happiness because even when you're a slave, you can still pursue your own happiness. Uh, (laughs) Wait, that doesn't make any sense. How'd they leave liberty in there? I don't know. Uh, but anyway, so that's think, not great. Believe, oh, that's the, not great. Oh, those rascally founders. Wait, wait, hold on. Wasn't the property thing kept out because there was already starting to be some brewing of trouble between the North and the South, and they didn't want the South to have the, look, our right to own humans as properties enshrined in the uh, founding document? Yeah, I feel like that was probably an anti-slave thing. Yep, that's what I just that said. That makes was much more I sense. I thought you said the opposite. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. Um, yeah, but the other, the other thing that I hate about this is all the people who spent, uh, Trump's entire term in office reading about norms. Uh, Hmm. well, one of the norms that Trump didn't break was saying, you know, I know this is constitutional and it's going to get struck down immediately as soon as it gets to the Supreme Court. But you know what? The courts take a long time, so I'm going to do it anyway and just uh, make hay while the sun shines. And that's a tight paraphrase of what Biden said when he announced this extension. So, yeah, fuck you, Uncle Joe. Yeah, I mean, Trump definitely Trump definitely did that, but didn't say it quite so blatantly. Yeah, I think yeah, he just doesn't not, have the vocabulary to say it. it otherwise it's just the blatant saying the quiet part loud. Yeah. Um, now, not everyone who was screaming about the norms is being silent. The Mind Killer podcast. Were we screaming about is, uh, displaying? Norms, I mean, I, I was, was screaming I've been about the other for a long stuff. Time. No, I care about the norms. Okay. I mean, to be fair, there was a lot of screaming during the there Trump was presidency. A, I, very I, I, much know, screaming. I was, I was very critical of Trump's decision to like ignore subpoenas, which is, I feel like, kind of a similar thing. Where he's just like, well, make me. Yeah. Um, same thing with the Muslim ban. Where he was like, everyone kind of knew that it wasn't really legal, but did it anyway. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, so I'll have, you, I'll have you know that here at the Mind Killer podcast, we're against abuses of power from all political parties. Except for the political party of West Fenza. Yes, that's right. Well, if it's in my benefit, it's but it definitely, definitionally not an abuse of power. Good point. Yeah. All right. Anyway, uh, David, you have more stories of government overreach for Yay. us. Yay. Um, so a safe deposit box company in L.A. was the victim of an, 85, an approximated $85 million heist perpetrated by the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Yes. Yeah, so uh, basically... The FBI thought that this safe deposit box company might have had some people selling drugs on the premises and or using the safe deposit boxes to store their drug money. And because of this, they seized 
everything in the building. And then they took these safe deposit boxes, cracked them open so they could, quote unquote, document everything that was inside, including taking up close photographs of private documents where the stuff written in the documents was clearly legible in the photographs. And oh, yeah. And that's a classic law enforcement trick when they want to get into something but don't have a warrant is to um, basically impound it and be like, well, we have to do an inventory search. And uh, then they did this in order, ostensibly, to prevent loss or theft. And then a bunch of stuff went missing, including a fuck ton of cash and gold. Which, you know, I'm sure that they just, like kicked it under a shelf or something. There's no way that the police would have stolen a bunch of stuff from innocent Americans who did nothing wrong and weren't suspected of crimes. Well, not the FBI, David. That's only something, you know, evil red state police departments would do. Oh, damn. Uh, The good news is apparently a court has ruled against the FBI here. At least that's something. So they got to pay it all back and, I don't know, do the people that were in charge get fired or some shit? Uh, unclear. Okay. Uh, but they did <laughs> They did tell the court, oh, no, we, we need to confiscate all of this. And the court said no. So that's nice. Yeah. Uh, this is a district court, so I'm sure it'll get kicked up to the circuit court. But so far, they're, uh, they're on the defensive. I don't know entirely how to feel about this because obviously the FBI, evil, stupid, bad shit for heads. But like the system kind of worked out in the end, right? Where the courts ruled against them and the people are going to get their at least a monetary value of their stuff back. Uh, so, I mean, so that that is definitely a good start. But again, one of the big issues is that like people had private documents in these uh, safe deposit boxes, and now the police have, or the FBI have up close photos of them. So, uh, what they yeah. really need to get a full success here is a um, injunction requiring the police to destroy those records. Well, and also the um, you know litigating a federal case is not a small undertaking. The the requirement to do that is actually what's what the problem with a lot of civil forfeiture is. A lot of the a lot of victims of civil for, forfeiture can get vindicated in the end, um, but only if they pursue these lengthy and expensive court cases. Right. Well, if they got twenty thousand dollars to burn that they won't get back. Yeah. Then a lot of them reasonably choose not to. Uh, so the fact that they had to go to court and probably will have to do an appeal and probably some other enforcement to get this stuff back is this is not a happy ending but the good news is that the absolute stone cold badasses at the institute for justice are on the case and that means that a lot of the victims of uh this criminal activity by the fbi are probably going to get represented pro bono oh that's good that's all those guys they are really are support support them instead of the aclu yes. yeah all right. Um, all right. So next story is from Tunisia. Um, bad news. Uh, Tunisia was the starting place of the Arab Spring uh, several but years ago. Bad? Um, and they were the only 
they were only they were the only surviving doc uh, democracy from that. Um, basically, a- every other country that that tried to go democratic uh, failed. Uh, so the bad news here is that the president has suspended parliament and removed the prime minister. Um, so basically, functionally, no longer a democracy. Um, now the president claims that the suspension is only for thirty days. We're about halfway through that now, and um, he's still he's still saying that. Um, so in about two weeks, we'll see what happens um, if if Parliament comes back or if he decides to you know keep these emergency powers forever. My money's on forever. I feel like people don't normally do this and then be like, oh, okay, I just need thirty days to clean house. Yeah. Um, complicating this is that this move seems to be very popular. Uh, Tunisia is in a pretty bad place. Um, they a lot of their economy is reliant on tourism, which obviously did not do well last year. Um, they're having a lot of other problems too. Their economy shrunk by eight percent last year. Unemployment seventeen percent. Um, so the yeah the people are very unhappy with the way things are going. Um, so this uh, this move by the president is widely seen by the people of Tunisia as a good move. Uh, because they they need something. Well, if the people got the government they wanted, isn't that kind of democracy? Uh, yes, more democracy than we have. <laughs> right? Um, now, of course, now I'm pretty suspicious, though. Now, I, I did hear from some reporters who were on the ground there talking to people and said, yes, everyone's you know broadly in support. It seem, does seem legitimately to be very popular. But the, they did an opinion poll, and it came back as 87% support and only 3% opposed. That sounds fine. Which is very suspicious to me. Yeah, that, that sounds like Banana Republic numbers. Uh, out of curiosity, um, so, did they, um, uh, was this polling agency the same one that found 103% of the Russian population uh, had a favorable opinion of Vladimir Putin? Wait, was that a real poll? No. I mean, Damn maybe. That would have been awesome. <laughs> Uh, I hope not. Um, but that's, that's weird. So we'll keep an eye on that. Um, we'll try to do a follow up in our next episode because I think the 30 days should be up by then. So we'll see, we'll see what's happened. Uh, and other international news. Um, I'm just going to quote Noah Smith here, uh, from Twitter. who says, China just grabbed a random Canadian dude and threw him in prison as retaliation for Canada arresting a Chinese tech executive. Uh, so what happened is in 2018, uh, Canada arrested one of the executives of the, is it Huawei? Do you guys know how to pronounce that? Uh, I think it's Huawei. I think it's something similar to that. Huawei. Yeah. Um, one of their executives got arrested in Canada. They're holding him for extradition to the U.S. Um, for espionage. Um, and China, in retaliation, uh, grabbed a couple of Canadians, seemingly the first two they could find who were in China and threw him in jail. Um, and this past week, one of them, Michael Spavor, was convicted and sentenced to 11 years in prison. Jesus oh. Christ. Yeah. And he's already been held for over two years. Um, so he's got 11 more. Uh, and it's all very, uh, very transparently about the Huawei exec. Wow. They're pretty blatant about how, like, okay, return our guy and we'll, we'll return your guy. That- Damn. So, PSA, don't go to China. Yeah, I don't really know what you do yeah, about that. Good like, Christ. That's, either that's you give them back their guy or you send, 
like you maybe send in the Canadian commandos, but then that's basically an act of war. China might try to strike I mean, back. I mean, yeah. their options are like send in the Mounties or give China very favorable terms on maple syrup expo- imports. So, Jesus. personally, I'd rather send in the Mounties. I'm given to understand that uh, the PLA is vulnerable to cavalry charges, but. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh so uh sorry, Canadian guy. Um that really sucks. And uh the rest of us should probably stay out of Canada. Yeah. Out of uh well, probably stay out of Canada. But stay out of China. <laughs> stay out of Canada if you're a Huawei executive. Yeah, I guess. So next story is from Eniash, which is some with some more international news. Yes. Uh, so the UK is, some people are setting alarms that their supply chain is facing collapse. Um, what, interestingly, uh, apparently they are about 100,000 drivers short for their, their trucking, shipping industry there, um, which seems, first of all, crazy on the face of it. But uh, I have, from someone I know who has done a long haul trucking before, apparently in the UK, they have just smaller trucks compared to our giant ass semis that we got here uh so i guess they would need more people to haul things around too but yeah uh some people are worried that it could get down to things as basic as uh food shelves not being stocked um properly in time and i don't know it's it's a scary thing if that is the case the british government does not seem to care enough to let uh foreign workers in to do the truck driving and so it's just a thing that isn't getting done and I, I don't know necessarily like how bad this can get. The the headline that uh, I'm that I linked it says that uh, it could collapse within two to three weeks, and that article came out two to three weeks ago, and yeah. <laughs> there hasn't been a collapse yet. So I could be hyperbolic for clicks, but it does seem like it's bad times over there, and things are going to get harder to get. Yeah. Uh, well, good luck, UK. Um, still seems like Brexit was probably a good idea overall just yeah. for the covid the reasons uh but that sucks uh all right another one from eniash about uh apple apple who um i don't know i never particularly trusted anyway because they're a bunch of nanny state puritans uh but they did have um some end-to-end encrypted messaging system before they're replacing that uh, now they're uh, installing a infrastructure for surveillance and censorship where they will literally go through every single photo that any user has on their iPhone to make sure that it isn't child porn uh, or or flagged as, you know, po- child porn adjacent something. Um, or and- white people in blackface. <laughs> Maybe next. I don't know. Like. I, I am against child porn. I hope that this catches bad people, but I am even more so against uh, Apple having the infrastructure to go through every single photo on every single one of the their users' phones. And now they can and do do that. And, you know, maybe someday they'll want to see um, other things. If the government says, show us these other things, or we're putting your executives in jail, maybe not. Just, I, you know, it's a basic breach of encryption and uh nothing is safe on their network anymore if it ever uh, so, was so uh now seems like a good time to talk about our sponsor for this episode signal wait a minute <laughs> did you actually contact signal no be awesome. i didn't um but signal damn it david you can't but call signal them our sponsor. is a very secure um 
uh, phone and text messaging service. Uh, you can set it up so that it seamlessly replaces your phone's native uh, voice and text uh, services. I highly recommend you get it if you don't like being spied on. Hmm. I should look into that for my business. Yes, you should. You don't have signal? It's uh I am legit surprised you don't have signal. I don't. I thought everyone on our server knew about signal and had it. I mean I know about signal, I just don't care that much mm-hmm. about privacy. Oh, okay. Well dude, you're a lawyer. Isn't privacy super important to your clients? Yeah, yeah but my stuff never gets hacked. <laughs> that... Well, okay. <laughs> uh you know, you have to take reasonable uh precautions, but you don't have to have like you know, be a crazy internet privacy person. I mean, using Signal is a thing that almost 100% of my friends do. That doesn't make you a crazy internet privacy Yeah, person. but my clients aren't going to use it. So it's going to be oh. vulnerable from their end anyway. Yeah, that's true. Stupid clients. <laughs> clients, am I right? Yeah. I mean, I love my clients. They're the best people. Right. Just stupid. Like you, you let know, them just, talk. You know, they just don't want to use Signal because it's annoying. I have enough trouble getting them to use email. Really? Oh, yeah. Everyone wants phone calls. Hmm. That's the opposite of, well, I guess I am a very, very strange bubble then. No, it's just my clients tend to be older. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, all right. But anyway, uh, I think what you all meant to say was thank you, Apple, for protecting the children. Yes. Every, every awful law, not every awful law, half the awful laws in existence are there for the children. Yes. And speaking of protecting the children... We have a news story about schools. You know, if you actually cared about protecting the children, maybe you would do something about schools. Uh, but yeah, uh, teen suicide rates fall by 15 to 20% in summer months when there is no school. And that's just the school is terrible thing is something I'm going to harp on for the rest of my life. And there's another point of evidence. 15 to 20% is a lot. Yeah. For people who are like, oh, what's the big deal? You know, maybe school isn't great, but whatever. It's a necessary cost. Like, no, school is legit traumatizing. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I guess not too much more to say about that. Um, kids are happier when they are free. Yeah. So maybe let them be free more. Most Like most other humans, freedom yeah. is an important thing. Uh, so my two-year-old gets angry at me when I don't let her do stuff. Hmm. Um, so, uh, so mostly I let her do stuff. So in Howl, one of the ways that he refers to Moloch as is as Moloch who shook me out of my natural ecstasy. And I'm not saying that he had the American public school system specifically in mind when he wrote that line, but I'm not not saying that. <laughs> natural yes. ecstasy. Yeah. That was kind of how I would describe summer in my school age years. Hmm. And summer was awesome. School was terrible. All right. Anyway. All right. One last story in our regular news section. Oh, thank God. I swear we're almost finished. (laughs) Um, Long one. This is is another one from Eniash. This final one is about a uh, cryptocurrency company. Company? Yeah, I guess so. In China uh, called Poly Network. They were a decentralized finance platform that used cryptocurrency for its decentralized financing. Uh, hackers stole $600 million worth of cryptocurrency from there, uh, which is apparently the largest theft in the industry industry's oh, history. God, that's like um, seven FBI's have... investigations worth of money stolen. It, it's impressive. Yeah. 
I imagine the Mt. Gox hack would have been worse um, if you adjusted for today's, you know, Bitcoin values. But at the time, it was Bitcoin was worth a lot less. Anyways, um, yeah, they they hacked it, got a lot of money, and got the hell out of there. And that's that's a lot. I I don't know how much to say about that necessarily. It seems like a bad thing. But uh, on the plus side, Slowmist, which is a blockchain security firm managed to identify the attacker's mailbox, IP, and device fingerprints through on-chain and off-chain tracking, which is one of the nice things about having a completely public ledger. Um, And so there's, you know, possibility of maybe identifying the hacker or hackers, uh, and they have already returned about 200 million of the 600 million in a sort of, ha ha, just kidding, I wasn't really trying to harm anyone, please don't send, you know, your mafia goons after me to torture me until I return the rest. So who knows if if we'll get the rest back, but uh, yeah, they're saying it was like a proof of concept to show how vulnerable these networks can be, and now we're returning all the money, so. uh, That's a hell of a publicity stunt. (laughs) <laughs> right. So remember that time when I was talking about crypto on here and I was like, so one of the points of crypto is that nobody knows who you are. Uh-huh. And you guys were like, nah. Yep. Uh and I think uh yeah, I guess you were right about that since apparently you can just figure out who people are. Well, it's not easy. Uh it, it takes, you know, like one of these internet detective agencies and, you know, they haven't last time uh, I read the story, which was early this morning, they haven't like actually identified the person, but they got, uh, you know, they got some clues and uh, they're on the trail. Well, I guess maybe we should all be more, um, you know, crazy internet privacy people. Right. And then we can, then we can steal cryptocurrency and no one can find us. If you're going to buy drugs, use cash from your local drug dealer. They need the business. Fair enough. All right. Well, that brings us to happy news. Good news, everyone. No cheers Yay. this week. Yay. Happy news. <laughs> I just assumed that you're going to insert cheers from like a sound file or something. We get we get yeah. uh, Professor Farnsworth. I think every week you should like say have us doing our yays and then layer on the yays from the previous weeks on top of that. And eventually <laughs> it'll just sound like a million yeah. people. Just more yays. Yep. Um, I'll think about it. Okay. All right. Anyway, first piece of happy news is from David about comic book creators. Yeah. So, um, comic books are a weird little industry. Uh, I haven't quite sat down and charted out all the um, uh, supply and demand curves, but the long and short of it is the publishers of uh, the comics get a pretty sweet deal. Uh, because a lot of people want to draw comics and a lot of people want to buy comics, but not a lot of people want to like print copies of them and market them and so on. And I don't want to shit on them too much because that is a genuinely valuable service, but also the actual artists tend to not be particularly successful in the financial sense, which as we all know is the only sense that matters. Uh, so a lot of them are moving to Substack, uh, and they're just doing an end run around the big publishing houses. Obviously, there's like a lot of them are still working on like licensed comics, uh, but the usual way that the industry worked was um, you would work on your licensed comics to like pay your bills. And then whenever you wanted to tell an original story, you just go to the publishing house for the uh, licensed comics you work on and then sell things through their uh, 
indie house, which they usually have for exactly this thing. And then that would like not make very much money and wouldn't get a very wide reach. And now people are just uh, routing around those. They're still working on the licensed comics for uh, uh, their um, bill paying, but now they're just posting their uh, original works directly to Substack. Uh, a lot of them are also on Patreon, and they're doing quite well uh, because people like supporting these authors and their uh, visions, which can come through more clearly in original content than in licensed content, where they have a bunch of established aesthetics and tropes and so on they need to work around. Uh, so, again, I don't want to shit on the big publishing houses too much, uh, but this is nice. but this is very much the sort of decentralized internet creators selling directly to uh, consumers that people were excited about in the 90s and early aughts, and it's good to see that uh, part of that dream is finally coming true. Huzzah. Indeed. And- and speaking of Substack and Patreon, you can also support the Mind Killer yes. there. <laughs> we are trying to make it as convenient as possible for you to give us money. Yes. Substack, good. All right. Uh, other good news, uh, also from David, about yeah. books. Uh, one book in particular. So Emily Oster is an extremely badass economist. Uh, I think we've talked about her previously because she wrote some really good blog posts about risk budgeting and the sorts of risks that children face from COVID early on. Um, Yeah, she did a lot of COVID blogging. Uh, But the uh, main reason we're talking about her today is that uh, she has uh, somewhat recently started a family, and the way that she copes with the stress of having uh, new little bundles of joy in her life has been by uh, doing ridiculous amounts of research into the actual empirics around pregnancy, early childhood, and now uh, early school-aged childhood, and uh, writing extremely fun, accessible books uh, summarizing her findings. And her latest one is out. Uh, It is The Family Firm, A Data-Driven Guide to Better Decision-Making in the Early School Years. Uh, and so, yeah, if anyone here has kids of their own that are getting to that age, um, <laughs> Wes, <laughs> uh, or otherwise is just interested in reading some really well-written, high-quality research about empirical parenting techniques, uh, I highly recommend you check it out. Yeah, I, uh, I didn't know that this book was a thing until I saw you put You're it on the outline. Um, but I did read Emily Oster's previous two books, uh, which I really appreciate because, yes, my, because uh, my child lags Emily Oster's by like a year or two. So I keep getting all the advice for the, for the, for my age child, which is great because her advice is really good. It's uh, very data driven, uh, lots of charts and probabilities and things. Uh, so it's uh, very good. I recommend the other two to everyone and this one is probably uh of that same standard um although i'll see because it describes it as the early school years so i'll have to see what she says about sending children to school uh but yes expecting better in crib sheet very good um 
Next piece of happy news is from Eniash. Speaking of school. And yes, the percent of households in America that had at least one homeschool child has gone up dramatically from 5.4% in 2020 to uh, 11.1% in fall of 2020 to 19.5%, almost one in five kids by May of 2021. That is so that that's is how you can on. tell who the good parents are, right? Because they didn't send their kids to Zoom school. The worst yeah. school. Uh, so if anyone um, can, if anyone knows where I can find cross tabs on that uh, number, like blowing it up by race, socioeconomic status, religiosity, uh, urban versus rural, etc. I would absolutely love to see them uh, get in touch with me via snail mail or the uh, discord. Yeah. And I'm sure um, some of these parents will be sending their kids back to school when uh, the lockdowns are over. Um, hopefully not this year, because they feel like there's all kinds of shenanigans going on in schools still, even if they are opening. Mm. Um, but I feel like after trying this out, a lot of parents will decide not to. Or at least I hope. And more importantly, after trying this out, a lot of people will recognize the lies told by teachers unions about homeschooling and the sorts of people who do it for the bullshit propaganda so they can continue their grift that it definitely is. And they'll stop listening to it. (laughs) Shall Um, I tell you what I really think uh, about teachers unions? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and um, I would like to just uh, highlight again our story from earlier about teen suicide rates going down in the summer months. Um, and maybe you look at that next to this uh, homeschooling data and you can draw your own conclusions. All right. So that takes us to troop deployments. I'm willing to put wave after wave of men at your disposal. As we all know, politics is the mind killer and arguments are soldiers. So in that spirit, we ask each of our hosts to send a soldier out onto the battlefield uh, every episode. And we will start with Dave. Uh, Yeah. So I have consumed three pieces of long form media in the past fortnight. Uh, The first is The Premonition by... Fuck, I'm forgetting his name. Um, uh, processing the, uh, uh Michael, Lu- the, the yes, Michael Lewis, um, who wrote the big short Moneyball, uh, the blind side. Um, and it is about some, uh, public health, um, doctors and, um, uh, other people in that vein who, uh, basically saw COVID coming and tried to sound alarm bells and were stifled by the uh, government bureaucracies in which they often worked and through which they always had to deal um, uh, with the public. And uh, if you, like me, have been watching COVID and are thinking, where the fast-moving, rule-breaking cowboys who uh, who don't give a shit about the rules and just get things done. Uh, this is the story of those people. Uh, and it's simultaneously kind of heartwarming and kind of upsetting because, you know, they don't win in the end. Um, yeah. Spoilers. Uh, for the anti blue tribe people, you might especially be interested in the extremely competent, um, 
uh, epidemiologist who was passed over for the position of um, of um, I can't remember the exact title, but basically the head public health authority for the state of California in favor of someone with no epidemiological experience uh, because the person with no experience was Latina and the um, person who was extremely competent was, and I quote, too white, too young, too Barbie looking. Um, So yeah, that was infuriating. Um, And uh, yeah, even the, uh, your Cuomo's and your, um, Newsom's and so on, uh, who we now, th- for some godforsaken reason, think did a pretty good job, do not come out of the book covered in glory. Uh, so, of course, I will recommend it for that, though other people might not. Uh, I will also uh, recommend it, Neil Gaiman's Norse Mythology. Um, it is Neil Gaiman's translation of Norse Mythology. Um and it is excellent. Uh, if you like either Neil Gaiman or Norse mythology, I can thoroughly recommend it. If you like both, then you've frankly probably already read it because it came out like four years ago. But I somehow missed the train on it the first time around and have only just now gotten around to it. And good lord, it is amazing. Uh, and lastly, Loki by Marvel. Um I will leave it to the readers to determine why exactly the last two items on this list uh, happened in the same fortnight. Uh, it's also very good. It's not as good as Neil Gaiman's Norse mythology, but honestly, if you were expecting it to be, then you're kind of, you deserve what you get there. Uh, although Loki does have an excellent reference to it in it to the actual Norse myth where uh, Loki cut off Sif's hair. Uh, So you do have that to look forward to. Um, So, yeah. All right. Thank you, David. Inyash, what have you got for us? I have a proposal that I'm not entirely sure about, but um, as far as we know, incentives do matter. And uh, someone has proposed that people who are unvaccinated and get the COVID end up paying the full cost of their hospitalization on their own, that... Uh, insurance companies would not be obliged to pay for them. And more importantly, the government wouldn't uh, bail them out either. And I don't know. I think that's an interesting proposal. Maybe it's just the um, spitefulness in me uh, wanting to see people who aren't getting the vaccine, you know, get some consequences for it. But also, you know, I I know some people who aren't getting the vaccine and maybe if they uh, had to consider that they would have to pay for their own hospitalization if they did get it, rather than um, pass that cost along to the rest of society. Uh, maybe that would make a difference, and they would think twice. All right. Thank you, Eniash. Uh, my troop deployment this week is also about COVID, and it is this. If you are vaccinated, you should stop worrying about COVID. Uh, the Delta variant is causing everyone to freak out. Case counts are rising. Cities like San Francisco and Philly are reinstating mask mandates. New York is doing the passport system we discussed earlier. It's clearly dangerous for the unvaccinated. And if you haven't done so yet, go get a vaccine. But if you've gotten a vaccine, for fuck's sake, relax. For you, COVID is less dangerous in terms of symptoms, hospitalizations, and death than the flu. 
Same thing for kids under 12 who can't get the vaccine. COVID is less dangerous than the flu. Same thing for the immunocompromised, who, as far as I can tell, are all encouraged to get vaccinated. COVID can still be very dangerous for them, but not more dangerous than the flu. So treat COVID like the flu. Everyone has their own personal risk tolerance when it comes to the flu, but for most of us, it's always been something we just don't worry about beyond maybe getting a shot during flu season. We didn't wear masks. We didn't avoid large gatherings. We felt fine leaving the house. Uh, If you're more risk averse, that's fine. You can take all the precautions you want. Just don't try to force everyone else to take the same precautions or shame people who don't. For the vaccinated, COVID just isn't that dangerous, and we should stop pretending it is. For the unvaccinated, well, you made your choice. In the U.S., vaccines are available to anyone who wants one, often with no appointment. Just go get one. If you choose not to, fine. I'm not worried about catching COVID from you because I'm vaccinated. And as we've established, COVID is not terribly dangerous for those who are vaccinated. Now, inevitably, someone's going to object and say, but the variants, if unvaccinated people keep spreading it, new variants will arise, which is a dumb objection. Look, people, there are about 90 million people in the U.S. who are eligible to be vaccinated but haven't gotten it. The world population is almost 8 billion, the vast majority of whom aren't vaccinated. It's extremely unlikely that the next bad variant is going to come from the U.S. If you're worried about new variants, you should be supporting efforts to get vaccines to developing countries, not whinging about unvaccinated Americans. So just stop already. You're fine. COVID is a risk, but once you're vaccinated, the actual risk level falls to be commensurate with many risks we take every day. Go and live your life. Or don't. But don't try to stop me from living mine. Hell yes. All right, that's our show for this week. Uh, Everyone, please follow us on Substack. Remember, we're on Substack now, so follow us there. Um, Anyone with the who follows the feed burner RSS, that will still work. Um, Anyone who is on the Libsyn RSS, which we tried not to share because we figured we might do this someday, um, that will not work. Um, I'll post this episode on libsyn as well but this will be the last one so if you're on that please shift your rss feed over to substack um and leave us reviews on all the places um support us give us your money that would be great and come back in two weeks same rat time same rat channel bye bye